What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, and uh, welcome everybody. Welcome. We are recording episode six of the Conscious Love Show. Um, welcome to the podcast. We have uh, people joining us live on Instagram. Welcome to those of you joining us live. To those of you uh, listening to the podcast later, welcome to you and thank you for being on with us today. Um, the topic that I wanted to speak into today is let all things be as they are. And this is one of those topics that's like incredibly simple, yet incredibly profound when we can really accept it and, and live with it and relate with it and use it as a, as a practice in our lives. And so, you know, might, might at first be one of those things that sounds kind of less exciting or, or kind of basic or kind of simple, but as you start to really explore the depth and the profundity of, of working with this as a practice of allowing things to be as they are. When I'm in any kind of interaction, and today we're going to talk some things about dating, we'll talk some things about being in a relationship, but when I'm in any kind of interaction, if I can really clarify for myself, how are things here? And then deal with things as they are, rather than what we do. Well, let me let me just say what we do instead, okay? I'll, I'll get into that right now. So here's what we do instead, because most of you might think, well, deal with things as they are. That's pretty simple. That's pretty basic. Well, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't view situations as they are. We don't, we don't try to understand situations as they are. None of us do. What we do is we show up to situations and we project something onto them that's not there. So we project our assumptions about the situation. We project what we want it to be, what we wish it to be. We project what we think we can control it or make it into, right? So I'm not going to see it as it is. I'm going to see it in what I think I can turn it into. And then I'm going to relate with it as though it's the thing I'm trying to turn it into rather than the thing that it is, right? So we, we don't accept situations as they are. We don't show up to a situation and go, how is it really? Let me accept it as it is and deal with it as it is. We say, how do I want it to be? Or how do I imagine it could be? Or how do I think I can control it or make it out to be? And then let me relate with it as though it is that. The problem with this is, is that when you start doing this, you're, you've already lost. You've already lost because you're already, you're already starting on a crumbling foundation. You're already starting from a place of, I'm not dealing with reality. I'm dealing with my imagination. I'm not dealing with the reality of the situation here. I'm dealing with my projection of the situation, what I wish it would be, what I hope it would be. And I've already lost at that point. So that's, that's the most important thing to realize is when you're not dealing with the situation as it is, the lesson for today, for those of you just joining us, is that we're letting all things be as they are, right? Let all things be as they are. And when I'm dealing with my projection of a situation or what I wish it could be or what I hope I could turn it into, I'm disempowered. I'm at a disadvantage because I'm not actually, if we, if we use a scenario, let's just take a, a really common one, dating. And let's say I'm showing up to a potential relationship with someone, but I'm not looking at them as they are showing up to the relationship. So how much time are they investing? How much energy are they putting into this? What are the things they're saying to me? What are the things that they are doing in this relationship? What is that revealing, right? I'm not, I'm not looking at the facts of the situation and drawing logical conclusions from the facts of the situation. But what I'm doing instead is I'm showing up and I'm the facts that line up with my imagined scenario or my illusion that I'm creating, the facts that line up with that, 
I'm accepting those and I'm going, okay, got it, got it. This is really good. This is what I want. And the facts that present themselves that don't line up to my imagined illusion of the situation, those are the facts that I discount or avoid or put out of my mind or ignore or justify or however I explain those things away. And what we do, and we all do this when we want something, when we don't want something, we don't do it because there's no motivation. But when we want something, we do this, is we, we show up and we adjust the situation mentally so it will line up to our illusions of what we want. And then we relate with the situation or the person or the relationship as though it is our illusion while explaining away and justifying and ignoring all the things that don't fit. And then, I mean, this has to blow up in our face. Like it's, and you know this, right? Like you know this, you, you know that this has to blow up in our face. There's no way it can't. We all know that if we're not consciously acknowledging it, subconsciously, we understand that this is eventually going to blow up in our face. Like I remember one time when this is probably the most striking example. Actually, there, there are two really striking examples. The second one just popped into my head. I'm going to use the second one, actually. So I, I've shared about this uh, many times. Um, if, you, if you're in my program, Inspired Love, you've heard me talk about this, I'm sure. Um, but I was involved with a married woman when I was at mid-20s. Um, I, I mean, like, so this is such a great example of what I'm talking about right now. Because the facts of the situation were disastrous. The facts of the situation were disastrous, but I had somehow convinced myself that she was the person for me and she was going to leave her husband and we were going to be together and it was all going to work out against all odds, against all rational thinking, against all like decency for the fact that she had a husband and a family and like it was not my place to be getting in the middle of that. Like, like uh, all that aside... I had myself convinced that she was the one for me and it was somehow going to work out. I mean, and and I know some of you have done similar things. So if you've done that or if you're currently doing that, lots of love to you. I know what it feels like. But I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Like, how could I have ever thought that? How could I have ever thought that? But I did. I had myself convinced. Why? Because I wanted something. I wanted something so bad that I was willing to ignore the reality of the situation and try to try to get what I want anyway. And what I, what led me to share the story is that I said, you know, subconsciously, we all know that it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. I mean, like there was not one person in my life who thought this was a good idea. Like all my friends are looking at me and just kind of shaking their head like, dude, like this is bad. <laughs> it was like, there was not one person who thought it was a good idea. It was just like, it was just the worst thing. It was so bad. And I just was not willing to deal with the facts of the situation. I was not willing to let things be as they were because they didn't line up with my agenda and my illusion of what I wanted and, and all of that. So let things be as they are. You know, in every situation, if we can, if we can have the, the mental and emotional discipline to, to accept things as they are. And uh, I see somebody asking what happened to end the relationship. Well, I mean, it didn't take much. Um, somebody, somebody found out or word got around in whatever way that it did. And she got scared that it might get back to her husband and she cut it off just like that. That was the end of it. Boom. We're done. Cold, clear. And you know, like, and it left me like, it left me like devastated. That was, we were together for a very short amount of time. And it was one of the biggest heartbreaks I experienced even more than like people I'd been with for years. And you know, that even goes to show that it wasn't even about love. It was just about ego. It was just about me getting my validation and being enough for this person and getting what I want. When I didn't feel like I was enough for her, I was devastated. It wasn't about love. You know, there, I have loved people that had it hurt less when, when we ended. And it wasn't about love. It was about validation. It was about being enough for her. And that's what hurt so much. But that's a, a little bit of a different topic. I, I digress there. But I want to, 
I want to say that, you know, if any, in every situation we can, if in every situation we can just face up to the facts, I was saying, have the mental and emotional discipline to face the facts of the situation and to accept them as they are, accept the situation as it is. You know, something that came for me in that situation, and I'll share it, this was, this was a boundary that I had for myself, is I wouldn't date somebody who was in a relationship. And due to the circumstances of that situation, the way we met, the what she had shared with me about her marriage, what she had, you know, just like d- due to the circumstances of the situation, I was willing to break my boundary. That was also me being unwilling to let things be as they are, right? Because if I have a boundary that I'm not getting involved with a married person or a person who's in a relationship, and now she shows up and she tells me the story about how her marriage is and blah, 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 which by the way, I, I, I later learned that her husband was actually an amazing guy and she was more of the crazy one, but you know, and, and she told me this whole story about her husband. Anyway, that's again, an, another, another story, but it, it just goes to show that like I was compromising my boundaries, my commitments to myself and, and the man that I said I was and the way that I had chosen to live. And I was compromising that because of the circumstances of the situation and, oh, well, we had such a synchronistic meeting and, well, it must be fate. And, oh, well, you know, she has such a horrible marriage and, you know, maybe I'm the one who's going to allow her to free herself from this. And, you know, whatever story I told myself, however, however, I justified it in my mind. But the fact was, if I was willing to honor the commitments that I made to myself, that relationship never would have happened. And I was not willing to let things be as they are. I was not willing to let my commitment be at what it was. I was not willing to let her commitment be what it was. And I got myself into a nightmare. I I mean, one of the most devastating heartbreaks of my life. And I mean, and you know, it's, it's not even about that, but it's, it's more just about like, I didn't find what I was looking for. I didn't find love. I didn't find a long-term relationship. We didn't run away together. We didn't fall in love. We didn't spend our lives together. She didn't leave her family for me. Like, you know, it, it didn't work out. And all it was, was me sacrificing everything that mattered to me, sacrificing my dignity, sacrificing my values, sacrificing my reputation with my friends and the people who knew what was happening. And all of that just to try to get to feel enough for this person. You know, I had her on such a pedestal. I had her on such a pedestal. You know, I I think one of the biggest reasons I was willing to compromise my values and compromise what I believed in is I was... I had her on such a pedestal. I thought, oh my God, this is such an amazing woman. Like at the time in my life, I didn't imagine I could be with a woman like that, right? Like I I thought she was out of my league or out of what, you know, the kind of woman who would want to be with me. And when she wanted me, I wanted to have that so badly that I was willing to compromise my values for it. And, you know, I, I think if we're honest, we can look and we can see the places in our life where we do that. Right. Well, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I want this so bad that I'm going to do it anyway. Right. And and then, you know, we think that we can somehow compromise ourself and, and like trade that in for love. And it never works because that that actually is not love. Right. That, that actually is the opposite of love. Like when I go against myself, my values, that that can't help but diminish my worth that can't help but diminish my self-esteem. That can't help but diminish the way I view myself and experience myself. And so once I once I go there, love actually becomes impossible because I've already I've already I've already removed myself from love by going against my values and, and what I believe is right for me. So This is an interesting point of let things be as they are. And this just kind of came up organically. It wasn't even what I really had in mind about the topic. But part of letting things be as they are is letting my values, my boundaries, my commitments be what they are and letting other people's be what they are and honoring that across the board, right? Not not making adjustments to that to try to get things we want. You know, another thing I was thinking about around this topic is that when we... I was thinking about like when we're waiting for someone to text us back, you know, and there's that anxiety or why aren't they texting me or, or, you know, are they losing interest or are they thinking of someone else or are they, are they doing this? Are they doing that? Like, why aren't they, 
why aren't they texting me? What are they doing? Are they cheating or not even cheating? You might not even be in a relationship, right? But just you start to get all this stuff. And, you know, we build up, we build up so much around it. And if we were letting things be as they are, we might see that it's not even that they like us or they don't like us. It's that they're kind of indifferent. It's that they're kind of like, and, and that's okay too. Right. Like if we would let things be as they are is like, we just met, we just started talking. We just had a few dates. Like, why aren't they texting me? Because they're doing other things because they're not thinking about me right now. And our egos almost can't handle that. Our egos almost can't handle that. The reality of the situation, if I were to let things be as they are, the re- the reality of the situation is that I'm just not that important to that person and not in a bad way, in a neutral way in a neutral way, right? Like I'm not saying you're not that important to that person. You should stop talking to them. Not like that. Like you're not, you're not that important to that person. You just met them. (laughs) You're just getting to know them, right? They're not texting you because they're doing other stuff. They're thinking about other things. And if you could let that be okay, right? And like, we don't have to be all into each other right now. We could be just getting to know each other. We could be just spending time together. You know, something, I'll I'll share some things that have come up in in my relationship is some of you may be aware of the anxious avoidant dynamic, right? And if you're familiar with the therapy stuff, then you're probably familiar with this. Um, So the anxious avoidant dynamic is that, you know, to to make it very simple is, you know, there's generally one person who's kind of moving into the relationship. My, my therapist talks about it like this. He says he doesn't use anxious avoidant. He says there are mergers and there are separators, right? There are people who are moving into the relationship and there are people who are kind of keeping a distance in the relationship. People who are always wanting more closeness, people who are always wanting, you know, space or, and not always wanting space, but just they're more comfortable with distance. Some people are more comfortable being close. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because just in my relationship, I'm more of the anxious style and my wife is more of the avoidant style. Now, I'd say at the core, we're both pretty secure. We've done a lot of work on ourselves and we're both pretty secure. But in in small ways, you know, it can show up where we have different desires for closeness. And I've coached a lot of people who go through similar things in a relationship where, you know, one person wants constant closeness. The other person is okay with having a lot of space. And some of you may have been in a relationship or dated somebody where it was like this, where maybe you or the other person had more of a desire for closeness and the other person, um, or vice versa, one person had more of a desire for closeness, one person had more of a desire for distance or, or was more comfortable with distance. And so when you're in that kind of situation, there's naturally gonna be a lot of feelings that emerge. Right. There's going to be feelings of I'm not getting what I want. I'm not feeling loved. I'm not or or this person's too much. I need some space. Why are they like this? Right. Like 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 these feelings emerge within this kind of dynamic. And what couples tend to do in their unconsciousness when they are unable to um, when they're unable to deal with this in a mature and healthy way is they start attacking. You're not giving me enough of this. You're not giving me enough of that. And, and you know, there, there start to, there starts to be a lot of attack in the relationship back and forth or, or you're too much. You need, you need to calm down. Why are you so needy? Why are you so right? So this is what starts to happen in a relationship when these complex dynamics are, are, are occurring. And one of the, one of the things that any couple would need to do in a, in a complex situation like this is first let things be as they are except, and, and this is something that my wife and I have had to practice and still practice at times is let things be as they are, except that we have different needs. We have different desires for love and affection and how we experience that and how that shows up, right? We don't see everything exactly the same all the time. We don't want everything exactly the same all the time. And rather than making that bad or attacking our partner for it or saying, you don't love me because of blah, 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 we can start by accepting this is how it is. Let Going back to the idea for today, right? 
let things be as they are. We have different desires, we have different needs, we have different approaches, we have different wants, we experience love and connection different way. Um, those of you who have read the book, The Five Love Languages or are familiar with it, this is kind of the idea here, right? Is that people experience and express love in different ways. So then we can have creative discussions and creative solutions about how we can meet in the middle, how we can compromise, how we can care for each other, how we can meet each other's needs, you know. But we've got to start with that acceptance before we can even get there. We've got to start with letting things be as they are, being willing to be in the relationship as it is, not demanding that my partner be somebody they aren't. Or if you're dating, not demanding that this person I'm getting to know show up for me in a way that they're not showing up. And I want to say, you know, a lot of these themes are very similar, whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship. But I, I want to say, I think this is the difference, is that when you're single, when you're single and dating, it's not really fair to put the, I don't know if I want to use the word expectation, but I'm just going to use it for the sake of the, for sake of the conversation. It's not really fair to put the expectation for this person to meet your needs when you're dating, when you're getting to know someone. So when you're dating, the approach is more like I'm communicating about my needs and I'm finding out if you're somebody who is going to want to meet them. I'm finding out if you're somebody who is going to prioritize that. And the thing is, is when you're single and when you're dating, people are putting their best foot forward. They haven't developed the comfortability that comes in a relationship. So you don't really need in the early stages to have creative discussions about how we're going to meet each other's needs. That's too much pressure for the early stages of a relationship because at that stage, you should really both be putting your best foot forward anyway. So it shouldn't be about let's have creative discussions about how you're going to meet my needs. It's more like I want to know when I let you know I want our next date to be doing blah, blah, blah. I want you to take me kayaking on our next date. We don't need to have a creative discussion about how we can spend more time kayaking together as though we were in a long-term relationship, right? I just need to know if you're going to be the kind of person who's going to make the effort to set up a kayaking trip for us. And if you're not going to be that kind of person, then I need to accept going back to letting things be as they are. I need to accept the kind of person that you are showing up as. And say, okay, so this is the kind of person that when I tell them I want something like a kayaking date, they're not going to really take that in and, and make a point to fulfill that. And so instead of me being angry at that person for not being that way, I want to let that in. Okay, this is, the, this is the way they're being. This is the way they're showing up. And then say, am I willing to make more of a long-term commitment or become more invested with somebody like this? In a long-term relationship, it's a little bit different because you are, there's a, there's a more comfortability there where, you know, when you're sharing your life with someone day in and day out, and they're seeing you at your best, your worst, and everything in between, there's not, there's not so much of an expectation for the person, or there, there really shouldn't be an expectation for the person to have their best foot forward all the time. Like that's unfair. That's unfair. So this is where in a long-term commitment, you know, if, if we'll just stick with the kayaking example, if spending time together kayaking is important, that's when you start to have conversations like, okay, so, you know, let's, when are we going to make time to go kayaking together? Because if we just get into the busyness of our lives, you know, and, and we just do everything and we, kayaking is never going to happen, right? So how are we going to have creative ways to do that? And kayaking could be anything. But the, but the point is, is that, you know, in a, in a committed relationship, there's more of a need to sit down and say, okay, how are we going to meet each other's needs? When you're dating, you don't put that pressure on someone. You just show up and communicate and discuss and explore and see if this person is showing up as somebody who's putting in the effort who's putting in the investment, who's making it a point to let you know that, hey, I really like you. What's important to you is important to me. 
I want you to feel that you're important to me. I want you to get that you're important to me. I'm going to put in the effort to make you important to me. Going back to where we started with all of this is that where you always have to come from is letting things be as they are. Let all things be as they are. If I'm a single person who's dating looking for long-term commitment and you're showing up to me as somebody who is not demonstrating long-term potential, I can't try to twist the situation and make you into somebody who's going to be that. I need to let things be as they are and say, okay, who am I going to be based on who I am and I see a question here. At what point do you switch from dating rules to long-term relationship rules? Great question. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Just hold your thought on that. But when I'm dating, I need to show up. So I need to decide, how am I going to be with this person based on how they're showing up to me? Am I going to invest more or am I going to invest less? If this person's showing up with not a lot of potential and I invest more, that's a bad decision for me. If this person's showing up making time, you know, making commitments, being invested, making what's important to me important to them, demonstrating all those things. Then I'm going to make my decisions with them based on that. Maybe I want to invest more in this relationship. You know, in a committed relationship, if there's something long-term commitment, if there's something we want to create, that's awesome. We can work on that. We can come up with creative solutions together. But we've got to start by dealing with the situation as it is not expecting our partner to be different than they are, not being angry at them for being the way they are, not being angry at them for showing up the way they're showing up, but then exploring, okay, this is what's showing up. This is what I'm in acceptance of what's showing up. And now let's come together as a team and find creative solutions here. So the question, at what point do you move from the dating rules to the long-term relationship rules? That's a great question. And I want to say there's not like a, There's not like a black and white thing here, but in the first year, you kind of step into this gradually, right? More and more. And I mean, like, let's say like at the point where you become exclusive, you take a major step in this direction because you, you're basically at that point deciding, okay, there are a lot of our needs that are only going to be met with each other, right? So like a big one, if we just talk about it would be sex, right? So you know, like at the point where we're only having sex with one person, well, that right there means we've got to have, we, we both have a certain responsibility to each other to take care of each other in this way, right? So, so at the point you become exclusive, whatever needs that are not appropriate to have met outside of the relationship, well, now there's a responsibility to, okay, like we got to take care of each other in this way now, you know, and that's, that's not just sex. That's an obvious example. But like even like cuddling, you know, that could be an example or even, you know, quality time in an intimate way, right? Where it's like not, not being with a friend out getting a cup of coffee or going bowling or something, but like we're actually at home in an intimate setting on the couch, you know, like quality time in that way. Like, so there might be certain commitments for like how much time we spend together at that point. From the time you become exclusive, that's when it really starts. And then I think as you grow into more and more commitment over time, and I always think of exclusivity as like a beginning. Exclusivity is like a starting point, And then we grow into this over time. And so it starts there. And then as the commitment becomes greater and greater and greater, as you know, we start with, okay, we're exclusive, but we're just kind of exploring this. And then we move into, okay, we're exclusive and like, we're pretty serious. Like we don't think anything's going to happen here. And then it's like, we're exclusive, but like now we're getting ready to get married and we're moving in together and like, we're doing, we're making big commitments together, right? As it deepens and as life situations bring you different experiences, the, the level at which you need to have discussions about getting your needs met and going back to the topic, accepting what is like, and actually I I should say this too, because a lot of us, a lot of us have the idea that we're going to find a partner. And this, this was the idea I had as a single person. And I had to do some definite maturing, um, that we're going to find a partner. And when we find that partner, it's going to be like having our needs met forever, unlimited all the time. 
you know, it, it's not really like that. And that's actually not fair to, to, to put that on your partner. Accepting what is and being with what is, letting all things be as they are. Something, a, a level of maturity in a long-term relationship is that we've got to start to understand that my needs are not always going to be met or they're not always going to be met by my partner, right? So I don't want to say like, you're just going to have to go without needs being met, but but sometimes it's going to be up to you to take care of them yourself. You know, like your partner's not always going to be available for you in all the ways you might want them to be. And this is where you've got to be able to distinguish between, okay, what is a loving partner who genuinely cares about me, who genuinely puts their best effort into this relationship and they can't always be available for me in every way that I might need them to, right? And so, and if you if you know that you have a loving partner and you know that they make an honest effort in the relationship and you know they do their best, but then you also realize that they can't be everything for me, well, then you've got to start to go, okay, so in the places and times where my partner cannot meet my needs, how can I meet those needs myself? Or what are other ways, other healthy ways that are respectful to our relationship? And this is, this is the complexity of all of it, right? This is, this, is the, this is the challenge of it. So I would say that whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship, you always begin with what is the reality of the situation? What is the truth of the situation here? You know, can I accept the situation as it is? And then from there, let me decide who I want to be in relationship with the situation. So if I'm dating somebody who's not showing up for me, showing long-term commitment, who am I going to be in relationship with this situation? If I have a partner who is loving and dedicated and they're giving me their best, but they can't meet all my needs, well, who am I going to be in this situation? If I have a partner who is not loving and dedicated and does not give me their best any, and we're in a long-term relationship, who am I going to be in this situation? There's not necessarily a right answer to these questions, right? The, the, the quote right answer could vary a lot depending on the circumstances of each situation. But the practice here, and, and what, I'm, what I'm talking about today is a practice. So the practice is to get really clear about the reality of the situation, the truth of the situation, and then to decide who am I going to be in relationship with this? How am I going to honor my truth in relationship with this? How am I going to be my most authentic self in relationship with this? What boundaries am I going to create? What requests am I going to make? You know, am I going to walk away? Am I going to stay? Am I going to fight harder? Am I going to be done fighting? All these things. I've got to look at the reality of the situation. What is the truth? Let me not project. Let me not fool myself. Let me not pretend this is something other than it is. Let me look at the truth of the situation and then let me decide how to be my most authentic self and honor myself and honor my truth in relationship with this situation. And we can apply that to any situation you would encounter in dating, any situation you would encounter in relationships, any situation you would encounter in life, really. I'm just going to read through some of the comments here. Uh, Sonia says, it's confusing because what if they say they want you in their life and they love you, yet they don't meet often and seem like they're okay without meeting you for two weeks or more at a time? Okay, I I'm going to start actually with this, Sonia, because this is actually a great example of what I'm talking about here. Because what I hear in your question... And, um, yeah, so you, you say they aren't into you, it means, right? Yeah, that was, you, you left a comment right after that. You said, so it means they aren't into you. Well, so it is confusing, right? On the one hand, they say, oh, they like me. They like me. They see a future with me. They want to spend time with me. And on the other hand, their actions say that, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm cool with going two weeks at a time or more. They don't make a priority. They don't plan dates, right? So mixed messages, what I hear in your question is you're saying, well, I don't know how to be with what is. I don't know how to let things be as they are here because I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're into me or not. I'm getting mixed signals. They're saying one thing, they're doing another. Do I just assume that they're not into me? What you can say for sure in a situation like this, either they're 
blowing smoke up your ass and they're just not into it. Or you have very different ideas about what you want in a relationship. You have very different visions for what a relationship could be. But the question you would need to ask yourself here is, have I communicated this or am I communicating it? So we don't know what stage it's in, right? If you're, if you're two weeks in, it might be very early, right? If you're two months in, it might be a little bit different at that stage. So, but are you communicating it? So this is where you've got to have the conversations. And now this is a little bit more like if I were coaching you, I'd be saying, okay, so you've got to start communicating to this person. What is it you want in this relationship, right? So first of all, do they know that you are looking for a long-term dedicated relationship? Are they aware that that's what you're looking for? If they're not aware of that, then it's time to make them aware, right? So you would say something like this, like, hey, I've really enjoyed spending time with you and it's been great getting to know you. I enjoy our talks. It's all really great. Um, you know, I just want you to know before we get too far into this, that I am looking for long-term commitment. I am looking for a relationship and, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're on the same page about that before we get too far ahead here, right? So you just say something like that. And like that actually, I know that might be scary. It might feel scary to bring that up, but it's it's actually not that difficult to bring up. And if you just get the courage and just do it, and then, you know, maybe you do it two or three times. And then once you get used to doing that, you realize it's it's really not that difficult to just put that out there. So if, if it makes you nervous to say something like that, I get it. I feel you on that. But just get the courage, do it, just put it out there. You can, you can replay this recording and write down what I said word for word and just, you know, practice it in the mirror and then just do it. And, and once you do it and once you feel it in your body and you get used to doing it, it's not so scary anymore. So that's the first thing is just putting it out there, making sure you're on the same page about that. Now, if you have established that in the beginning, right, if you've established that in the beginning, then from that point forward, it is understood between the both of you that everything you do together is done with the intention of possibly having a long-term commitment. So it's okay to bring up things like, hey, you know, I just want to check in. How are you feeling? Or, or hey, you know, I was wondering if you'd be open to spending a little more time together, right? It is okay to bring up things like that because you have already discussed that you both want long-term commitment. So now that you've already discussed that, now the only thing you're doing is discovering, do we have the same vision for what long-term commitment looks like, right? So it might be a next conversation. So I told you the first conversation, right? A next one. So I'm going back to Sasia's question now where you say he's, he's okay with going, you know, two weeks or more without ever talking or, or having a date. And, you know, he says he likes me. He says he's into me, but then he can just go so long without communication. That feels like mixed signals for me. So if you've already created the understanding that we both want a long-term relationship, that was the first understanding you created. The second one would be like, hey, you know, so I just wanted to talk about something and see how you feel about it. You know, I, I noticed that we sometimes go a week without even talking or, you know, we can go two weeks without even seeing each other. And, you know, when I think about being in a relationship and the kind of relationship I want to be in, that, that's not really what it's like for me. And so I just want to check in, like, do you see the possibility of spending more time together? Is that something that you would like to do? You know, like, what if, what if we just spent like maybe one night a week together? How would you feel about that? Is that something that you could feel okay with? Is that something that you would enjoy? Is that something that, you know, you would want also? Right. And so you're just, this isn't about like, I think where we go wrong with these kinds of conversations is we go into like, well, will, will you please spend more time with me? And even if we're not saying that, that's how we feel inside. Right. It's like, will you please spend more time with me? Or will you please want me more? Or will you, will you please like me more? And so the, the work for us, if, if we're coming from that place is that we've got to internally get to a place and you can fake it till you make it. That's okay, right? But, but, um, but we've got to internally get to a place where it's like, 
I don't need this from you. And I'm not pushing this on you, right? A lot of times it's like, I need this and now I'm pushing it. But it's like, I'm not pushing it on you. It's, I'm just trying to find out if we can get on the same page about the kind of relationship that I'm trying to create. Because, you know, we've we've been dating for two months now. And in that two months, we've seen each other four times. And we've had very little communication in between. And I'm going like, well, if this never picks up or this never changes or this never increases, I'm just going to be really unhappy in this relationship. I'm just going to feel very unfulfilled in this relationship. So I just need to check in and find out if this is what I can expect. I just need to check in and find out if this is the only, if this is the best this person is ever going to be able to give me. If you're having these conversations, you're going to be clarifying how it is. And then you're going to know how it is, right? Then you're going to know how it is. So you're Your question was, I'm getting mixed signals. I don't know how it is. Well, it's time to get in there. It's time to clarify. It's time to find out how it is. But find out how it is without pushing your agenda on it. Find out how it is without trying to make it be something else. And this is is the lesson for today. I I spoke into it earlier as though this is a practice, right? This is a a practice. So if if I were in Sasia's position right now, I would be sitting down and I want to say like, it's really easy for me to say this, not being emotionally involved in the way you are. Okay. So, so please understand that I might be a little direct about this and, and I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you the empowered approach, but also like, please understand that I'm aware that this is challenging, right? And I'm not expecting you to just do it already. Like I get it. Like you're going to struggle with it you're going to you're you're going to struggle with it you're going to um you're going to go through your own process with it you're going to have to learn to get comfortable with this stuff you're going to have to get the courage to do things that challenge you sometimes so like all of all of these things are are part of the process but what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you the empowered approach and then I'm going to give you the empowered approach and then I'm going to let you understand, okay, this is what I need to work up to. And then it's going to be your own process of working towards that. And that might be where if you need a coach or if if you need, you know, some kind of support, that might be where you reach out for support, right? So I really, I want everybody to understand because let me just say before I do, before I say this, people give me feedback. They're like, you're harsh and you have no compassion and you just... And, and, you know, you're, you're activating people's trauma. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I love the fuck out of you guys. I, I really, really do. And I have so much compassion for the things you go through. I've been through it. And I, I go through it in, with my wife in my marriage at times. Like, like I have so much compassion, but I also understand that there is an empowered way to deal with these things. And there is a disempowered way to deal with these things. And what I do is I unapologetically talk about the empowered way to deal with things. Now, I understand that we all struggle doing that sometimes. I struggle doing that sometimes, okay? But that doesn't stop me from in my own mind asking myself, what is the most empowered way to deal with this? And then if I'm not able to do that, I can acknowledge like, okay, I'm not able to do that right now. And then I understand that that is my own process of, you know, being able to like work towards that. And I have compassion for myself and for all of us who are in this process of becoming more empowered. We've all got to stop selling ourselves out when we hear something that challenges us and go like, oh, you're not respecting my trauma. Like with respect, fuck your trauma. Okay. (laughs) That's going to activate some people right there. But here's what I mean by that. Okay. With respect, with compassion, with love. Your trauma is not an excuse to be held back from anything in life, okay? I get it. It's hard. It sucks. Some of you have been through things I can't even imagine. And maybe I shouldn't have said fuck your trauma, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. So, you know, I'll apologize for that. But, but you've got to get where I'm coming from. You've got to get that we've been through hard things, all of us. I grew up with an alcoholic father. I mean, I grew up in an abusive household, okay? Like, we have been through hard things. We have been traumatized. Most of us, 
And some of you have been through it worse than I have. And if you have, I'm sorry. And, and I can't understand what you're going through. And I get that. We've all got to, within ourselves, come to a place we're unwilling to be held back by those things. We're unwilling to like let that be something that stops us in life. And if it's scary, okay, it's scary. If it's uncomfortable, okay, it's uncomfortable. If I need to cry and beat a pillow and write a letter to my dad and do whatever I need to do, like, okay, awesome, awesome. But do what you got to do, but don't, don't just sit there and go, this is how I am and I'm stuck because of it. Like that is, that's what hurts me. And see, a, a lot of people, you, you think I'm being disrespectful and what you don't see is that like, I love you so much and, and I, I see that you you could go through that and it and it hurts to see you stop at that wall. And so when I come, like you've got to understand that's where I'm coming from. And I just, I, I wanted to say that because I've been seeing a lot of comments and things recently and people saying that. And I mean, I know I'm not going to be able to please everybody, but I just want, I just want you to know where I come from. Uh, here's a question. Colin Sally says, so I've been meeting a guy, we've been on six dates and he says he might be falling for me. Is that too soon? It's a pretty short question with a short answer. No, I, I don't think it's too soon. I actually think, I mean, six dates is a good amount of time. Um, you know, six times seeing each other. Now I would say it, it depends on what happens from here, right? Like that, like you'll have to decide if he's showing up as the kind of partner you want to be with, right? It actually, let me, let me speak into this for a moment because so many of us are approaching it as though the goal is to get someone to want to be with me. And that's actually not the goal. And as long as we're approaching it from that place, we're like so far off that it's not even good. And so a lot of us, like we're so used to trying to get someone to like us that when someone does, it's like, we almost don't know what to do with it. It's like, I'm so used to trying to get someone to like me. And then all of a sudden someone does, and I don't even know what to do with it. But we really shouldn't treat it any differently if they like us or if they don't like us. The approach is always... I am only dating you. I am only spending time with you. I am only getting to know you to find out if there's real compatibility here. And if you like me or if you don't like me, like that doesn't really have anything to do with my approach. You know, my approach is to meet you spend time with you, ask you questions, get to know you, learn about you, find out who you are, find out how you show up to the relationship, find out how you show up for me. My approach is to find out all of that, do my research, investigate, find out as much as I can about you, and then make my decision about how I want to show up. And I don't need you to like me or not to do that. I don't need you to want to be with me or not to do that, right? Like if you, if you don't want to be with me and you're giving me the signs that show me you don't want to be with me, well, that's going to be evidence that I take into consideration in my decision-making process, right? So that's, that's going to be part of it that I consider and maybe decide like, yeah, you know what? Not, not too into this relationship. So of course, it matters whether you like me or not, but it doesn't change my approach is what I'm saying. So going back to the question, after six dates, he says he's into you. Is, is he a good man or is he, um, you know, is he, is it too soon? It's not too soon for him to say that. Short answer is no, it's not too soon for him to say that. But then the thing you want to do is go, okay, well, he likes me. Awesome. I like that he likes me. You know, I, I don't want him to not like me, right? So that's that's a good thing. That's a positive sign, right? You know, for compatibility, like liking you needs to be part of it. So that's awesome. But I'm also still going to be in the relationship going, how do I feel, right? It's not like a done deal. Oh, you like me? Okay, let's, we're together now. Like, no, or, or maybe you like me? Okay, well, I like you too. So let's explore this. Let's take it to the next level. But it doesn't change my approach, it is the easiest thing to lose. And I, I, I see it with everybody I coach. I see it with myself. 
or, you know, I, I saw it with myself when I was dating and I even see it my, with myself and my wife, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's very simple in my marriage, right? I, if, if I want to relate here, like it's very simple in my marriage is that my only job is to get clear about what I want to create in this marriage and look at who I need to be and how I need to show up in this marriage to create that and just be that. And if I just do that consistently, what I want will show up in the marriage, right? And, and that's difficult to do sometimes when I don't get what I want, when I don't feel justified, when blah, 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 right? That's difficult to do sometimes. And it's no different in dating, right? In dating, your job is to be clear about what you want and to figure out who you need to be and how you need to be and how you need to show up to create that and to just do that consistently. And if you do that consistently, it will happen for you. But that's not easy. Why? Because you feel rejected or you feel unwanted or you feel like you're not enough or you feel like you're never gonna, like it's never gonna happen or you feel hopeless, right? So like, I get it. These are, these are the challenges. These are the challenges. These are the things that we deal with. And it doesn't stop when you get into a relationship. When you get into a relationship, it just happens in a different way, on a different level. And, and then you've got to work with it in that way, on that level. But it's, you know, it, it, this is the work. This is the work, right? Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's challenge ourselves to deal with the things that are uncomfortable for us. And... For anybody who is single and dating right now, that would be my challenge for you. Recognize that your job is to maintain that center of power, that calm, confident center, no matter what happens. No matter you feel rejected, you feel disappointed, you feel let down, you feel ashamed, you feel what, like, your job is just to always come back to that place. Feel what you feel, love yourself through it, care for yourself through it, take care of yourself through it and come back to that place. What I would invite each of you to do, and this is what I said earlier, is recognize that that's, and your work is the gap between where you are now and there. And it's okay if you fall flat on your face. It's okay if you fail. It's okay if you cry. It's okay if you feel like it's never gonna happen sometimes and you feel like it's not enough. It's all okay. Right. And this is the compassionate part, right? Like you've got to have that. It's got to be okay. You've got to have compassion for yourself. I definitely have compassion for you for all those times that you fall down and you fail and you feel like you're not enough. It's, it's okay. It's, it, and it's got to be okay. Right. But then you've always got to keep coming back to it. You love yourself and, and you, and you hold yourself and you cry it out and you, Talk to your coach or your therapist or your friend or, or whatever you got to do. And then you come back to it and you try again. Like that is the work for all of us. And there's no, there's no escaping it. And again, I, I'm in my head now. I feel bad about saying, fuck your trauma. I do feel like I crossed the line there. And again, that's got to be okay too, because I am who I am and I make mistakes. But like, that's, that's why it's got to be that way is because we've always got to come back it, because if you don't, you might as well die. That's how I feel. Like, if you don't, you might as well die. What are we even living for if we're not coming back and trying again? What's the point anyway if we're just going to resign? I'll share this. Like, I think maybe this is why I'm so passionate about this is because there was a point in my life where I had resigned. There was a point in my life where I had resigned. I was, like, like I was making $6 a swimming pool to clean swimming pools, okay? On a good day, that would be 60 bucks, maybe, maybe 75 bucks on a, on, on a good day. On a bad day, it'd be like 50 bucks, right? And I was in a dead end relationship with somebody that I was not in love with. I knew I would never be in love with. And I was just comfortable. And and that's where I was. And was it a result of my trauma? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a direct result of my trauma because it was all I knew. It was all I thought I was worth. It was all I thought I could have. I didn't see myself having the possibility of having a career that was passionate and fulfilling for me like I do now. I didn't see the possibility of having a marriage or a partnership with someone that I loved and respected the way I do now. I, I just, I did not think that those things were available for me. And I had resigned in life. And I was living a very, very small life. And I was very fortunate 
through um, through the recovery program I was in. And it, it wasn't that that did it actually, but it was some of the connections I made there that led me to some other things that snapped me out of my own trauma. And, and when I was able to snap out of my own trauma and snap out of my own limited idea of myself and what I believed was possible and what I believed I could have and my story about how things are and why they are that way and how they could never be any different. And I was willing to stop fighting for that so profusely and convincing myself of that so profusely. And I was willing to just entertain the possibility that, hey, maybe I could have a life that I love and is deeply fulfilling for me. And, and then, yes, I had to do a lot of work for a lot of years to go from the person I was then to the person I am now. And I'm still working every, I mean, I'm still in therapy. I'm still doing all the stuff I tell you guys about. So like, I'm still working and it it hasn't stopped. But I, I think that's why I'm so passionate about this is because I know what it's like to resign to life and just assume that you're never gonna have anything that you want and that it's impossible. And And what we're really assuming, and this is the most heartbreaking part of it, is what we're really assuming in that is we're assuming that we're worthless. We're assuming that we are not worthy of those things, right? Like I can't have that relationship because I'm not worthy of it. I can't have that passionate, fulfilling career because I'm not worthy of it. And there might be all kinds of excuses we tell ourselves, oh, well, it's just because I grew up in a poor family or, oh, well, it's just because I was abused when I was little or, oh, well, it's just because of this. It's just because of that or it's just because of these other things. But it's not actually because of those things. Those are the excuses that we tell ourselves to make ourselves believe it's impossible to justify us staying in the situation we're in rather than saying, yeah, you know what? I was abused when I was little and I grew up in an alcoholic household and, you know, I was, I was cheated on by the person that I loved the most and, and, and all of the, you know, all of the many, many forms of trauma that we've all gone through, right? And yes, those things happened. They're a part of my story. They're a part of who I am. They're a part of, they're a part of what I am in this journey that I'm living now. And so what? So what? That was a part of my story. It's not, it's not my whole story. It's not the end of my story. Going back to the idea for today, which is to let all things be as they are. If I am letting all things be as they are, well, I am going to let that be my story. I'm not going to, because some people might think that, well, I was abused or I have trauma or I have this or I have that, and I am letting things be as they are. I am, I am letting myself be who I am, which is a victim of trauma, and therefore I'm never going to be better. What I would say to that is there is, you may not be aware of this to, to whoever, I don't know who this is for, it's just what's coming through right now, but to whoever needs to hear this, what you don't see right now is that there is something that you are so afraid of that you are just not willing to go there. And maybe you do see this and you're just, and you're just sticking to it anyway, I don't know. But there's something you're so afraid of that you're not willing to go there. And you are using your trauma or your past or your history or your narcissistic ex, or whatever, whatever that thing is, whatever that reason is that you can't have the life that you want to have, or that you can't be loved the way you want to love, whatever that is, you are using that as a justifiable excuse to not have to go to the place that you that you're scared to go. And some people are going to hear that and they're going to be really angry and they're going to say, I'm not compassionate. And they're going to say, I don't understand, but I actually do understand. I actually do. I know how the ego works. I know how the mind works. I know how we psychologically defend ourselves from things we don't want to deal with. And I do understand. And I'm just being honest with you about what's happening for you. And the way it's going to work is that when you want your freedom and your happiness and your life more than you want 
to be right about your story about your trauma or or all the reasons and justifications that you can't be the person you want to be and have the life you want to have. When when you finally get to a point, if you get to a point where you want that more than you want this, you will let it all go and it will mean nothing to you anymore. And how do I know this? Because I see it happen with people all the time. This, this is what I do in coaching. People just put it down. They're just like, oh, you know what? I don't need it anymore. You know what? It's not helping me. It's not serving me. It's not what I want. It's not giving me the, the life that I want to have. And so we just put it down. See, we, we only cling to it as long as we're getting something out of it. And what I want to say, and going back to the idea, is letting things be as they are. You know, if we were to let ourselves be as we are, we would recognize how amazing we really are. We would recognize how worthy we really are. We would recognize how creative we really are and how we have the ability to create the life we want to have. If we were to let ourselves be as we are without asserting all of our limiting beliefs on ourselves and without perpetuating this limiting story on ourselves over and over and over again, right? If we, if we were to let ourselves be as we are, because the truth is, is like, and I always come back to this and I'm, I'm kind of an absolutist in this sense where like I, I look for the most absolute principles and then I try to align my life with that. And, and, and I, I understand that I will always fall short and I'm, I'm not attached to perfection. I'm just not going to set the bar any lower than it needs to be. My understanding of life is that we are all love. That if you want to say that, you know, the God stuff that created the universe, created life, created all of us is what we are. It's what we came from. It's what we're made of. It's, it's what everything is. It's what it all comes out of. It's what it all comes back to. And so anything that is being expressed in our life that is not expressing that godness or that goddessness, right? Anything that is being expressed that is not that is not who we are. It's okay to express things that are not who we are. Right? It's okay to have fear and express it. It's okay to be angry and express it. It's, it's, okay to, it's okay to express things that are not who we are. My only point is let's not sit there and try to say that's who we are. Whatever process you've got to go through in becoming more loving, in becoming more authentic, in becoming more yourself, in expressing more of the love that you are more fully, whatever process you got to go through, do it. I got no judgment. I have no judgment. I'm not mad at you for any process you got to go through on the way. But let's just not tell ourselves we're something else. Let's not tell ourselves we're something else. Let's let, going back to the idea for the day, let's let us be who we are. And when we see all our ego stuff, all our, all our stuff that, you know, the shadow self, the manipulation, the, the anger, the unworthy that, you know, when, when we see all of that, let's love it. Let's, you know, acknowledge it. Let's validate it. Let's care for it. Let's, let's do all the work that we need to do to heal. Right. We don't want to repress it or avoid it or push it down or judge ourselves for it. But let's also just observe that that's not us. That's not us. Right. That's not me. Like, okay, I don't feel good enough for this person. Okay. Got it. You don't feel good enough for that person. Okay. That's okay. Go love up on yourself. Go go draw yourself a bubble bath and play some music and light some candles and and you know you sit in there and you just love up on yourself and and you remind yourself how how lovable you are. You go you go do all of that, right? But but let's recognize that that voice that tells you that you're not enough is not you. That's not your truth. That's something else. That's a survival pattern. You know, we call it the ego. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mechanism. It's a, it's a psychological mechanism, but it's not you. You know, when, when we sit there and we fight to be right about these things, 
what we're doing is we're we're attacking ourselves. Okay, I'm going to close out with that today. Today was an interesting one. <laughs> today was an interesting conversation. I, I I had the idea for today. I wanted to speak about it, and I did not know a lot of what was going to come up around it. But but this was this was a good one today. Okay, so lots of love to everybody. Um, thank you to those of you joining me live on Instagram for being with me today and joining in. Um, lots of love to everybody. Those of you on the podcast who will hear this later, uh, sending love to you. And thanks for joining in with me on the podcast every week. Um, sending love and blessings to all of you, wherever you are, whatever's going on for you. And I will see you back here next week. Thank you. Have a wonderful, blessed day, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at The Living Relationship, to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.